Welcome, everybody, to another episode of the Black Menaces Podcast. I am your host, Nate Bird. I'm here with my co-host. Rachel, we're very happy to be back with you guys this week, and happy Pride. It is now officially June, and this is our first uh, week into the, the, the wonderful month. And Salt Lake City just had their uh, uh, parade on Sunday, so... Yes, they did. Happy Pride to everybody out there. And we're kicking Pride off with a bang. We have some amazing guests on the the, uh, podcast today, Carmina and Sabrina. Uh, And they recently went viral on a a TikTok video where they talked about their story. And so we're going to interview them today, learn a little bit more about them. But before we do, you know what it is. We got the Menace Moment. Rachel, take it away. Yes. So for our Menace Moment, I was thinking... I have to do someone that's in line it, uh, with an activist um, surrounding issues in the queer community. And as I was looking up, um, this woman named Edith Windsor came up, which I've never known about, known about her, and I'm surprised I haven't. But a little bit about her. She was born on June 20th um, in 1929, and she was born in uh, Philadelphia, Pennsylvania, to a Russia's, Russian Jewish family. Um, pretty conservative based off of that. Um, and she talked a little bit just in her experience in her life. She said that she experienced some anti-Semitism that, you know, helped her to formulate her experiences. Um, and she also talks about her childhood and how um, before she really identified as a lesbian, she um, would date boys, but kind of just as like a mask, but she always had crushes on women and girls growing up. Later on, she eventually went to Temple University in 1950, which I feel like is kind of a big deal for women back then to go to college. Um, and Temple University is a great school. And then eventually she ended up going to NYU for her degree, master's degree in mathematics. And she graduated there in, in, in 1957. And after that, she then later went to work for IBM, which is where she worked for 16 years, which is kind of crazy. Um that sounds so long at this young age. Um, and um, just a little bit more about what she did while she was at work. Um, she was also able to go into an applied mathematics fellowship at Harvard for two semesters while she worked there. So she was smart and um, we love to recognize intelligence and, and people's work, but kind of starting her activism. Um, so she was in, I'm trying to get the name right. Sorry, I have a lot down here. She was in a relationship with a woman for almost 25 years. Um, And during this time, she was um, an activist uh, while they were dating. Um, She worked, um, yeah, she publicly participated and at the time it was called LGBT marches and events. Um, And then once she stopped working in 1975, she increased her involvement with different organizations. And so some of the groups she volunteered for were the Gay and Lesbian Advocates and Defenders, the East End Gay Organization, LGBT Community Center, um, and then, yeah, 1994 Gay Games New York, and helped found old queers acting up an improv group utilizing skits to address social justice issues. But yeah, and she served on the board for for services and advocacy for GLBT elders, which is also known as SAGE from 1986 to 1988. And then again, from 2005 to 2007. Oh yeah, and um, her partner's name was Thea Spire. Um, And then they eventually did get married in Canada in 2007 because it wasn't legal here. 
but then her um, wife died two years later in 2009. Um, and so because the federal government didn't recognize their their marriage when she all of her assets she left to her wife. But um, the tax forms, it was almost as if you're just transferring it and not to a spouse in the same, right? Because you you don't have to pay the same taxes for a spouse. And so basically all of her real estate, she was going to have to pay $350,000 in taxes for all of the assets that were being transferred to her once her partner died. Isn't that crazy? Like, yeah, um, yeah because again, the United States didn't recognize the marriage, so it didn't allow for... Um, to get the you know benefits of being of being married, why people get married for legal reasons, um, and um, so basically she she ended up filing a case, and then her case worked worked its way through the appeal courts, and the Supreme Court decided in late 2012 to take it up. Um, and th- there was also things that other gay gay rights activists were worried um, it might be too too soon to do something at the Supreme Court level, um, but she knew that. Um, that this was something that she still wanted to fight for and push towards. And then it ended up um, the the landmark case, they over it's called DOMA, um, and they overturned it five, five to four in 2013. Um, and then two years after that is when the sub- Supreme Court declared that same-sex same marriage was legal nationwide. And Barack Obama said about what she did in 2013 when that case was overturned, she said, he said it was a victory for families and for the principle that all of us should be treated equally, regardless of who we are and who we love. And she ended up dying on September 12th in 2017, and she was 88 years old. So I just think that's kind of like a cool story. Um, like, you know, she was just, she was always advocating and, and did it throughout her life just because that's what she cared about. And then that kind of probably prepared her and led her to be able to go and fight to the Supreme Court to be able to, um, she didn't overturn obviously marriage. This definitely helped that, but being able to help recognize unions for um, at least legal reasons, right? In terms of taxes, that's a very big deal considering at that time that, um, you know, queer people could not get married. So I think she's awesome. I think that's really cool. And um, I love learning about random people that seem like everyday people that did amazing things that I didn't even know about that contributed to all the wonderful things that we see and benefit from today. So shout out to you, Edith, rest in power. <laughs> Love it. Love that story. And that's, a, that's some serious advocacy. And, uh, right. And, yeah. and she knows Barack Obama. So that alone, I'm like, wow, I need to be like <laughs> you because I love that man. <laughs> <laughs> all right. You, you definitely get major points just for that. Right. You know, yes. Barack, Barack and Michelle. Cool. Well, with that, we're going to jump right into our interview. Yes. Uh, Carmina and Sabrina, we're going to, like, we want all the details. We want all the tea. But before we do, if you could, just in, like, 60 seconds, just kind of give us, like, the, the a brief synopsis of your story. So, like, in 60 seconds, tell us your story. We met on our missions. <laughs> um, we weren't... Honestly, it was, I don't believe in coincidences, and this wasn't a coincidence. We weren't supposed to ever meet, um, except I think it was pretty divine. We were in separate missions, and because of COVID, we were brought together, and even if it had only been like a day apart where um, one of us had flown in on a plane later, we would have never have met, and so I really do think 
that it was divine interference. Um, so after we met, we became besties, uh, super platonic the entire time. And when we came home from missions, we um, got together because she lives in Virginia, I live in Maryland. So super easy, uh, became even more besties from that. We got started having feelings after that. But because of the church, we were like, no, this is, we can't do that. Um, but things started progressing and- After a lot of flights and traveling, because we lived on opposite ends of the country after that, um, you know, she she won my heart. And after yeah. the longest situationship in the world, we're together. <laughs> we're together. Love that, that's amazing. Wait, um, and are you guys getting married or wait, am I? Yes. Yes. Yeah. yeah. So I'm like, okay, you're not together. Y'all are getting married. That's like, yeah, we're getting you know. married. Sorry. Story keeps wait, going. Wait, hold the rings yeah. up to the camera one more time. I'm sorry. I yes. There we go. Amazing. Love the ring it. matches I, mine. I love weddings, so I'm like, ooh, like I'm like, <laughs> I love love, so I'm like, woohoo. Girl, I'm um, excited. <laughs> but. Hey, yeah, I can't. Hey, do you want to I start proposed to her a few days ago, oh. actually. Back. Oh, okay. Yeah. That's one thing that I love. That's one thing that I've seen um, from lesbian couples specifically. Maybe I've been just seen enough in gay couples, like specifically do it. But like women um, relationships, I see them um, proposing to each other, which I'm like, I love this. This is so cute. So. So cute. Yeah, I feel like um, I don't know. She deserves to be proposed to, and then. She felt like I also deserve it too. Like everyone should feel wanted, you know, mm -hmm. and have the the ability to be asked. I don't know. I was telling all my coworkers that, and they were like, "Oh my god!" Yeah. Then... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's actually pretty cool, and it you know I love how it like takes out the whole like socialization of, of the gender binary, right? Where it's like you know we have certain expectations of men and certain expectations of women, but. You know, in, in queer relationships, more often, like those roles, sometimes they can be there, right? But like they're they're less of um like they're less of a definer of the relationship than like in most hetero relationships, right? So mm -hmm. that's cool. Um, so just to kind of start it off with just like basic question: How do y'all identify? Like, what are your identities? Um, I identify as queer. Um, for a while I was bi, but then I'm like, I, I don't know if there's a sexuality to just liking Sabrina, then that, that's, that's what it is. So queer. The same. I feel like I'm like bi to my family. At least I thought it would make them feel better that like, I'm not just lesbian. And then I guess that turned out to be a bad thing because <laughs> my family oh. still has a lot of hope that, um, oh. that I could marry a man. Um, and I feel like looking back on my life, I was very much like I would go on dates with boys, but I was never like I never felt like myself. I always felt like I like owed them something yeah, and same. I couldn't. I just wasn't allowed to to be myself. I just had to hide something or it had to be something that I thought they wanted me to be. Mm. Um, and so I'm like, I could be lesbian. I could be queer. But I mean, all in all, I just love Carmina. I I tell people I fell in love with her soul first before I fell in love with like 
I guess her like attractiveness. You know, okay. I wasn't like, oh, this girl is so hot. I was like, you have a beautiful soul and you just happen to be a girl. So, I mean, who am I to deny loving her and vice versa? Yeah, that's amazing. Love is love, right? That's beautiful. Right. So it, you, you kind of like led into my next question, which was like, like, when did you become aware of your sexuality and like, Aside from that, when did you become comfortable in it? Mm -hmm. um, so I, I've known since I was six, uh, very young. It was uh, Toby Maguire and uh, Kristen. What's her Dunce. Dunce. Kristen yeah, Spider-Man. <laughs> Spider-Man. I was like, uh -huh. wow. I love Peter Parker, but man, MJ. <laughs> um, <laughs> All of her boyfriends, past boyfriends, look like Peter Parker, and her one girlfriend is also redhead. So wow, really I was gonna say something yeah. about that, but <laughs> yeah, got my MJ. <laughs> yeah. Love that. Um, but yeah, I've always known that was since I was six, and I kept it a secret from my like my parents because they had this uh, this thing where if I came out as gay or any of their children became gay, became, um, they would kick them out of the house. So I had that fear inside, mm. inside. And so I didn't tell them until I was like 19. And that's when I started feeling like, okay, I think I'm ready. I like, I've had too many crushes and dated mm. too many boys to like, I don't know. But like you would always have like you'd be dating someone and then you'd be like, that girl's really pretty. <laughs> yeah, I would never cheat or anything, but it was just like, I'm not like my full, my, my true self when I'm dating a guy. And so I was like, I think it's time. And I think after my mission, um, I prayed to God like, like the entire time. I was like, God, I, I think it's time. I think I'm ready to start dating girls. And he gave me the go. He's like, go for it. Like he was super like my my big homie, you know. Number That's one. Cool. Number one okay. homie. Mm -hmm. So when you say that he gave you the go, what did what do you mean by that? Like what did that feel like? What did that look like? Uh so like for those who are members of the church, they have like this warm, fuzzy feeling when they have this when they feel the spirit. Um and that's what I felt when I was like, I think I'm ready to start dating girls. And I felt that feeling before when I was, um, when I asked, should I go on a mission? I felt, felt that feeling when I, um, I don't know, when I was picking schools to go to. So uh, it was definitely a familiar feeling and I went for it. And here I am. Love it. Okay. Sabrina, same question for you. Um, like, when did you become aware of your sexuality and when did you become comfortable with it? Um, you know, I think that kind of happened simultaneously because I was brought up um, very conservative um, in both like ideas on religion and politics. And I remember one time my mom was consoling and my mom is a wonderful woman i'm not even like being apologetic she's a really really wonderful woman um but i remember she was i was probably around 16 
and she was consoling one of her friends because her friend had a gay son. And I remember just sitting in the other room and thinking, you know, she had five kids. Three of them are married. One of them is just the forever bachelor. And then there's me. And I'm like, she's got to have like one gay kid. And I was like, yeah, it's probably me. Um, <laughs> like I was just kind of aware. And I had, looking back, it makes a lot of sense. I would write poems about um, this one girl who I had the hugest crush on in the first grade, like mm -hmm. a weird obsessive mm -hmm. liking. I was very, um, what's the word like territorial almost okay and then to like another girl like in high school like I was her best friend and now I'm like oh, I think I know what that is <laughs> it's called you're gay <laughs> um <laughs> and you're just in denial um so love that so when I met Carmina um and we can go into this and she was open about her sexuality it kind of gave me this, like, I like, I kind of like this girl. Um, like when we had met, I was just thinking, I want to, I want to be so open and so transparent to you um, and vice versa. And so with her being open to me, it kind of led me to navigate my feelings about myself because there's a lot of internalized homophobia and not just like in members of the church who are queer, but just like, Queer people of themselves, I feel like, have a lot of internalized homophobia, especially when they first, I don't want to say find out, but kind of allow themselves for that self-discovery. Mm. Um, and so that was a long process. That's why we were in our situationship for what, like five months, because it was mostly me um, navigating how does this mean for me in the church? And because I couldn't possibly think that God would let me date a woman, you know? Yeah. Um, that was just such a ludicrous thought in the beginning. And so she was really, um, I don't know, breaking down that barrier for me. And, you know, the rest is history. <laughs> Love that. And just for context, anyone who isn't a member of the, the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints or like doesn't have any knowledge or experience with it um, within the Mormon church um, we're taught that being married to anybody that's not the opposite sex or being attracted to well not being attracted but like being married to anyone that's of the opposite sex um, or like being in a relationship with anyone who's not of the opposite sex is a sin right and that's not something that God wants um, and so yeah there's like the, the internalized homophobia within religion but then there's also like within oneself so yeah, it's, it's always amazing and wonderful to hear stories of how people kind of like work through that and overcome that because it's it's very important like in, in becoming your true self and realizing your full identity. Mm -hmm. True. And, and kind of in align with that, my, my next question is, um, what has kind of been the reaction from your family considering all the things, right? Like obviously you both have different um, paths and how you've communicated about this before um, you two coming together to your families, but what has that been like um, in terms of your family? For like, um, like coming out with Sabrina or like coming out yeah. as like my Yeah, identity? so like um, you could talk about how like your experience coming out like overall um, and then like 
Uh, Sabrina, I feel like you you were saying like you came out as you started dating. Um, and so like you could talk about that, um, those two, because they're, they're different, right? And so yeah. I'd love to hear about how those were, um, just because you've had a little longer, Sabrina, to, not Sabrina, sorry, Carmina. Your y'all's names are a little okay. similar, okay? Um, <laughs> you've had a little longer, right, to sit with your family and like to have them kind of be comfortable or or not comfortable, what, whatever it may be with, with what's going on. And so I'm just curious what, what that's been like for both of you. Right. Um, so since I came out at 19, I just remember having like this four hour long conversation with my mom. My dad was in there for like 30 minutes and then he left. But for four hours, she was talking to me about like church and like future, I don't know, the future, what's going on. Should like I agency it? type of thing. Yeah, she, it was a very neutral like response. Um, I knew my mom had like a, she wanted me to date, marry a man. And so did my dad too. My dad doesn't really talk very much, but he's just like, you should probably marry a man just for the sake of our like reputation in our family. Like since our family is very traditional too. And, um, and through the church too, as their like their image at church. Mm. Um, but I think they started loosening up, um, seeing how much this like really did matter to me. Like I, I've had a lot of mental health um, issues, um, at least at, at the age of sixteen, and up because of the internalized homophobia, and then having the family that's traditional, uh, traditionally like Filipino, and and so yeah, they saw how much it like hurt me to like be a person that I wasn't supposed to be they wanted me to be me and so mm -hmm. they started loosening up um and by the time I introduced Sabrina they were good and then they were fake and then you know it was just like on and off but now they're really good because they're they're supporting the wedding and they're um they really love Sabrina so mm -hmm. it took them a while um took them a couple years but it it they followed through and they True. came around mm -hmm. they're really good they're really good to us that's um, weird yeah my experience so i came out to my parents i feel so bad for them um they really i can't honestly blame them i mean it's been painful for sure but I remember like I called them cause I, it was right before Christmas break two years ago. So December, 2021. And it was on like a Tuesday because my sister told me, she's like, I'm gonna tell them um, tomorrow because I'm having lunch with mom and I don't have much to talk about. So I know it's gonna slip out. She's like, so you better tell your mom now. Wow. I was like, oh my gosh. So, um, so I was kind of like, okay. So I call them and I'm like, hi, like I found someone who I really, really love. And they were so happy. Like they were clapping. Oh. And then I said, it's Carmina <laughs> and radio static. Like, no. and I knew that it was happening. I knew it was happening. Like I knew that they wouldn't take it very well. And my mom was, she's like, what about any grandchildren? And then I was like, 
girl. It's no. very early to be thinking about that because <laughs> she and I had only dated for like, what, since August. So like only four months. Obviously, we had talked about marriage. We're lesbian. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, so crying. <laughs> um, but yeah, so they just kind of people that. And then the next few months, it was just a lot of, you aren't thinking this through. And I'm a very logical person, um, especially when I was figuring out myself during the situationship. It was, I guess I'll go on a tangent. Um, I understood more of how God loved me because of how Carmina loved me. I feel like it was one of the first times in my life, aside from my parents or my family, who just kind of have to love you, that someone was seeing me and someone was loving me unconditionally despite that. Like someone knew everything about me, aside from God, who again has to love you and still chose to love me. And that was such a mind boggling thing. And I was so confused because I would pray and I'd be like, God, why do I feel so good around her if this is something that is supposedly so wrong? Hmm. Why does she help me understand you and how you love others when our love is supposed to be this awful, awful thing? Um, and so logically, I just felt that way. Um, and so when my parents would tell me that you're not thinking, you're not thinking about this, I'd be so angry because that's all I've been doing. I overthink like no tomorrow. Right. Uh, yeah. That's, I, it was very difficult for me because I just didn't feel very heard in that way. Like it was talking to a wall. Um, mm -hmm. But granted, they didn't have the time. Um, and we actually, my mom and I had a conversation two weeks ago and it was very emotional. And I said a lot of things that I've been wanting to say that I've just been holding back for a long time. And I talked more about the church. She actually confronted me about that TikTok. Um, what a good time. And I am grateful for it though, because that really opened up a productive conversation for the two of us instead of I'm not willing to meet in the middle and there is no compromise. There's always compromise um, for members of the church and for people outside of the church and for gay people and everyone in between. There's always a way to compromise. And if that just means loving people the way that they deserve to be loved, then that's your compromise because that's what Jesus taught. Right. There you go. That's a word right there. Mm-hmm. You're gonna, you're gonna be a preacher? <laughs> you know, she's great. She's really great. Yeah, no, I love that. That's powerful. And, you know, hopefully with time, kind of like with you, Carmina, hopefully with time, things like become a little bit better. Um, and it's like you said, like your, your parents didn't really have the time to like think through it and come to terms with it like you did, right? It took you a while to like get to that point. So hopefully it gets there. But at the same time, for a lot of people that, that you know, that doesn't happen. Um, but you know, like, what was it like, and you kind of already touched on this a little bit, but what was it like for y'all growing up, um, as members of the LDS church, like how big of a, how big a part of your lives was it? And, you know, what was it kind of like having your, like, you know, kind of being aware of your identity, but not really like comfortable or like coming to terms with it yet. 
how was all of that, you know, kind of growing up and then being young adults and, and, and dating and all of that? Um, it was a big part of my life. Uh, my mm-hmm. mom took us to church. My dad was inactive. Um, so it was her and she's like my biggest role model. Um, and so I wanted to be like her. I wanted to learn how to talk to God like her and how to have a like a really great relationship with him. And so I, um, I did all the activities. I did, I did everything. I, um, YCL at camp. I don't know. I'd serve the mission. Um, I, I go to, uh, I go to BYUI. I, I don't know. I, my parents told me I should go to that school, uh, for the, the religion and the good standards that they had. Um, and so, but inside I knew that I, again, I, I knew I was gay since I was six and I kind of like kept that in the entire time. Um, I don't know. I kind of just got used to like, I guess numb. I, I just numbed everything. Mm-hmm. Um, like, I, you know what? My fate is to marry a man. I, I'm going to, I'm going to do, I don't care about myself. I'll just do it for the Lord. I'll just date every single guy that has interest in me and see if that will work. And I've dated multiple guys, uh, been in long-term relationships with them and it just wasn't what I wanted. Um, and I was just like, you know, praying to God, I was reading my, my, my blessing that, um, like the patriarchs in the church would give me uh, like the patriarchal blessing and I would get so confused cause I'm like, I don't know if I can marry a man. I don't know. Mm-hmm. It just doesn't feel right. I don't feel like I'll be my true self. And, um, and I did say that I had some mental health issues. And so this is where like really deep depression and suicidal ideation started coming up because mm-hmm. I'm like, I feel like I'm better off dead than like being this person that I'm like was supposed to be like taught like be a mother be married to a man bring out you know be married into the temple be married in the temple uh all these uh like binary kind of things and I yeah so that was a very deep like um tunnel that I dug myself in but I knew like I was like, you know what, I'm going to serve a mission. I'm going to teach people that God really does love and like my journey through mental health and like um, knowing God really does love me for who I am. I, I just started like, you know what, I'm going to be who I am and God, he know like this matters to him. So I'm going to, I'm going to try my best. I'm going to try to love myself every single day kind of thing. Like, again it's a roller coaster some days are good some days are bad but um ultimately your life is way worth it um it's way worth it um i don't know life is beautiful especially if you learn who you really are and try your best to be your true self so sorry that was like a tangent (laughs) i don't know yeah And thank you for sharing that. Like, I know that can be difficult to share, but I really appreciate it. Mm-hmm. So, oh, go ahead. Oh, no, 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 go. 
No, no, go right in. I was just going to talk about um, my experience as far as like the growing up in the church. Mm -hmm. um, it feels like, I don't know, I'm a type A person. And so I loved having things to do. Um, and the church is very good at doing that. They will put you to work. And, okay. and I enjoyed that because it gave me some kind of an outlet. Um, and I feel like when I was in my latter years of high school, I think I was around 16 or so, um, I really started developing a very raw and quiet relationship with God. Um, very, very personal. And I think the nice thing about growing up outside of Utah, and if you guys can, you know, um, be there with me, corroborate my statement. That's what I meant. Um, <laughs> a lot of the members outside of Utah are very, they're just a lot more chill. Yeah. They're way yeah, more chill. Um, and just a lot more raw. And so it was nice for me growing up in this place where um, no facetious nature was really there. It was just people coming and showing up and living their experiences. So it helped me to develop that for myself. Um, but now it's difficult for me to come to terms with the idea that depending on how things shake out, you know, as far as us getting married and maybe having parts of our membership revoked, the idea that I can't do anything for the church anymore, or I can't mm -hmm. do, like, I feel like there's this level of self-worth that's associated with what I can do for other people, because mm -hmm. that's just been my identity. And so I think that's what hurts the most, or what I grapple with a lot about, I won't be able to take care of people or flourish in this kind of community anymore yeah um which is which is really tough yeah for sure yeah that can definitely be difficult and like when you grow up in the church or when you're a member of the church for a long time that's like a huge part of your identity is yeah like what you accomplish or what you do within the church like the service that you do and the the things that you say and the things that you believe and like you know your personal diligence like that's all a huge part of your identity and so um like coming to terms with another part of your identity and like trying to reconcile those can be very difficult for sure mm -hmm. and we've talked about this before on the podcast or in our tiktoks just i mean there's a cognitive dissonance with that when you have a part of your identity that doesn't you you start to realize it doesn't align with this other value you have with this other organization that you associate so much with yourself and that maybe you like even want to be a part of right and it's like but this is not it's not working it's not aligning and it's causing me pain almost yeah. um mm -hmm. yeah. and so that kind of leads into one of the other questions that we had for you guys if you feel comfortable sharing share as much as you want um but like where are you guys at with things with the church like how do you feel about that um, and again, yeah, share as much as you want, or we, or we could pass on this question to two if you'd like. Um, for a while, I was inactive. <laughs> I, I'm not going to lie. I, I was inactive, um, and I, I did get sick in the beginning, too, so that of was this year. of this year. So I couldn't go to church because of my, my illness. Um, 
still still going through it right now. So, <laughs> um, but I wasn't active for a while because I was just mad. Like, I was mad at a lot of people. I was mad at the leaders that were rude to Sabrina and rude to me, especially at my school mm-hmm. uh, at BYUI. Um, and I was like, I can't. I need a break. <laughs> if you can right. have a break at church, yeah. um, we understand. So, that. Oh yeah. yeah, the pandemic was yeah. not long enough. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, gosh, and we served during the pandemic. That was tough. I don't know. Right. Oh yeah, we'll talk yeah. about that too. But please continue. Yeah, yeah. But um, I was just mad at a lot of people, and and it must have been tough too being at school where church and school are not separate to oh, like go to church yeah. and feel like. It's not a witch hunt. Like people are not out to get me here or honor code me. Because yeah. that's gotta be tough. That's not something I have to deal with. Yeah, because I was honestly like, because I had that break, I was like, okay, I can be like relieved from the witch hunt. There's, <laughs> I've got reported to the honor code once for having Sabrina at my house. Um, really? Or at my my apartment? Yeah. And so I was like, I was just done with the numbers. I was like, I can't do this culture. I need a break. I just need to talk to God and just see what's next for me. And since we've been home, we've been going to church, like coming back to it. And I get anxious sometimes. I'm not going to lie. I do have some like anxiety going to church now, um, seeing what do these people kind of think of me. But my family's been doing great. They're just like calming me down. They're like, okay Carmina you're here for God and I'm like oh yeah I am here for God <laughs> true for God so I think with that too there's like for me earlier this year I remember talking to Carmina and I was like sometimes it's just such a roller coaster sometimes you feel really good about yourself and like where you're standing at with the church and then other times it's just not there and I feel like this year I've had to take a bit of a break because it's a lot of energy to deconstruct something like a lot of last year I spent deconstructing what God has shown me he is and what people have told me he is Um, and just taking all the parts that I know for myself and my experiences and only taking those um, which has been really helpful but that takes a lot of energy and I didn't do much of that over this last year because I've just been so exhausted um and I remember telling Carmina a few weeks ago, I said, I think I'm ready to keep going on that process. And so yeah. for anyone who's struggling with the same kind of thing, you can table wherever you are and just kind of leave it on hold, especially if it's something that's overpowering your mental health and you just don't have that kind of energy, you can table it. I don't think, I'm not speaking for him, but I don't think God blames you for letting go of something for right now and then coming back to it later when you are more ready and emotionally able to. 100%. Absolutely. Uh, if there's one thing that I realized you, you had mentioned, um, just kind of like figuring out who God is to you. I think that that's super important, right? Because yeah. I've discovered that the God that I was raised to believe in and then who I'm understanding more about or what I'm understanding more about who God is, are not the same, right? Um, yeah. The God that we were raised to believe in was somebody that we were constantly afraid of and constantly um, felt like 
we weren't loved by by them or that we were going to get in trouble because of our actions or, or different you know ways that we feel or believe and what i've come to realize is no that's not the case like god is someone who loves us right and so being able to to kind of make peace with that and then just like take the time to figure it out like there was a time where i wasn't sure that i believed in god and then i feel like i've kind of gotten to a point where i'm like okay i think i do believe that there is a god there and now it's just up to me to kind of figure out what that relationship looks like so i love that that y'all are doing the same and it's, it's so true that you you don't have to like do it all at once it can be a process yeah. like you can table it a little bit at a time so that's the Absolutely. Okay. Um, Nate, sorry, did you want to go? No, you got it. Okay. Um, so one thing that I've been curious to know is what has it been like since you guys, like, what has the reaction from the internet been? Or just like, what has, you know, what have you received since going viral and um, so public, probably in a way that you didn't expect? Um, we yeah. know what that's like, okay? We, we know what it's like yeah. to post and that blows up and you're like, wait, I didn't know you would care that much. Um, yeah. what, has, what has that experience been like? Um, and what's been the reaction? Like, I want to hear like the best parts of it and like some of the more difficult parts. Cause you know, we experienced that too when we posted some of the stuff we did. And so um, just what, what has it been like since going viral? I feel like surprisingly there have been some really, really lovely people out there um like probably out of a thousand comments we might get what what do you think 10 10 like negative hateful mm. comments yeah which are just kind of funny um and funny. i feel like if right. you don't reply to them it doesn't bug me as much mm -hmm. if i just don't let it give it any space in my mind it's just water under the bridge doesn't yeah. matter and normally those type of comments too, like a lot of the supportive people would start commenting towards it. Like, hey, yes. yeah, they'd start defending you. And I'm like, yeah. I don't even have to reply. I don't yeah. have to attention. <laughs> they got that. Yeah, so it's been, I don't know, a very cool experience to get become viral. I don't know. I didn't ex like expect it. I feel like I'm people's moms. Yeah. I'm not me, moms. I, I'm someone's mom. Yeah. I have all these little little babies, and I'm like, oh. they're like, mm -hmm. oh, I'm still coming out. And I'm like, oh, we love you. you. Yeah. So that's perfect. I love that. Yeah. So hopefully they can, you know, hear this episode and, and be inspired and like, you know, continue on their journey too. But yeah, it's funny that you mentioned like the people in the comments because we love our comment section soldiers, man. Like, you don't have to do any work at all like you just somebody will say something in the comments and then you just watch they just all swarm and just put them in their place every single time it's great to watch and it, it takes a load off of off of you too because it's like you can just focus on being yourselves and not have to worry about like all the hate out there that's for somebody else to deal with right true yeah. like at the end of end of everything there are more people who will care about you and will defend you or love you then there are people who will hate you, which is really comforting. Yeah, yeah, it really is. Like, there's always so much more support, and it's easy to get fixated on like the negative things. But once you realize how much support there is, then you can just like push all that to the side and realize that those people are usually just like, miserable in their own way, right? Mm -hmm. but, um, yeah, yeah. Now that we've kind of like talked about religion and like 
y'all's identities and everything we kind of want to get into like the, the the fun part the climax of the story right so tell us about how you met right so we know a little bit from the TikTok video but we want to hear the full story so just kind of tell us about how y'all met and how you became friends and everything <laughs> Do you... here we go the look, yeah. yeah um okay so i'll give you a timeline if it matters to anyone out there so COVID hit, she was serving in Brazil and I was serving in Australia. And I feel like, I don't know about you, you were probably better than me. I, after Australia, I was pretty done. I wanted to go back to school. I'm trying to be a vet. So I was like, I know there's a bunch of school ahead of me. And I, maybe this is my out. Like God is like, go girl, get out, <laughs> please. Um, were you like that? Uh. Honestly, I was like, I, I felt gypped. I was like, I just got here. <laughs> yeah. I was in Brazil for only two months. And I was like, I just got here. What is my life? What is, this is a joke kind of thing. I'm like, all the Brazilian people like kissing each other and hugging each other. Love it. I love it. I'm like, that's how it got. That's how COVID spread. <laughs> everyone's, just, everyone's just partying. Everyone's I'm like, kissing each other. Everyone's yes. kissing each other. I'm like, ugh. I love it, but gosh, that's how it did it. So I felt gypped and you wanted to go back to being a missionary. Yeah, I wanted to. I don't know. I did not. And I distinctly remember one day, like I'm such a I'm not a wishy washy person. I'm just a stressed little anxious baby. And all I want to do is the right thing. Um, <laughs> and I remember praying and I was like, God, like about to get into bed. Tomorrow, I'm going to buy a ticket to Utah, and I'm going to apply for jobs, and I'm going to sign up for summer classes. Thank you. And I woke up the next morning, and and I had requested to leave in August. So when I put in my, um, my like, okay, I'll go back out on the mission, and that was a whole thing in and of itself. Very, very long story short. I was on a soul-searching walk. It was raining. It was the last day of April of 2020. And they were like, we need to hear back if you want to go on a mission now. And I just remember sobbing. And <laughs> um, I was just sitting at the Lincoln Memorial. And I just said, okay, God, if you want me to go, because I felt so nauseous, if you want me to go, I'll do it. And immediately I felt so calm and just so at ease. And I was like, dang it such a good sign and so I told him I said well if I'm gonna go out let me go out in August because I can choose so anyways back to me praying I'm gonna go sign up for classes the next morning I get my mission call to go to California and I would leave in two weeks at the beginning of June and I was like I, I prayed for August come on I'm leaving now and so I was so angry when I woke up the next morning and I saw that in my email. I walked down and my parents, they knew. And they're like, where are you going? And I said, you won't know. Like, I'll just disappear. And I, you'll never know where I went because I was just so angry. I was right. Like, California and, and I'm leaving early. But when we went, we met in the airport in Houston. And I remember talking to my sister. And I said, if any of these missionaries are so exuberant about serving in California right now, I'll, I'll punch someone. And sure enough, they were, because they're just so happy-go-lucky people. <laughs> and I turned over to Carmina, 
and I said, oh, like, what's your name? And she's like, oh, you know, I'm Carmina, and, and I'm from Maryland. And I was like, oh, you're cool. Like, I, you're cool and normal. You're normal. <laughs> what an idea. And so after that, I remember wanting to sit with you on the plane really badly, but I didn't because I'm a weenie. Um, and then we were at baggage claim, and I think I said something. Yeah, it's super funny. I joked. I don't know. It was super funny. We just became besties after that. She also got the vibe when I was joking with her in the airport. She's like, mm, yeah, I got a fruity. I got a fruity vibe from her. <laughs> My radar is pretty good. I don't know. I, I'm like, yep, she's a little fruity. She's kind of weird, quirky. Love yeah. it. Love and then, <laughs> and then in California, they had a few days of training to just kind of, hey, this is how things run in our mission. And we'd be at lunches together and we'd just be roasting each other. It'd be so fun. The chemistry, like friendly platonic chemistry was so palatable, not palatable, palpable. Mm -hmm. Yeah. yeah. We'll go with that. And yeah, yeah words. Um, but in that mission, you could only write letters to other missionaries in that mission. And so she served about three hours south southern than me and we never pretty much saw each other after that so it was only these letters which is just so sapphic i mean they really set us up for something great <laughs> again it was all platonic in the letters yeah. like just get to know, know she you. was by yeah just get to know you kind of things like what is your order from chick-fil-a kind of thing yeah what do you uh, get when you're sad yeah that kind of thing and it's i left cool. yeah i left early um on the mission in september of 2020 yes yeah um and i would just be uh texting her because we can do that um through messenger she came back february 2021 mm -hmm. and i was kind of like hopeful i'm like i've met someone i've known before like i've met her soul before so i want to get to know her even more mm. so I told her, let's meet in the middle, let's meet in DC. And we did. And that was like 12 hours long. That was just 12 hours and boba. 12 hours and boba. We found an abandoned dance hall. We were dancing. We were just going crazy wow. for 12 hours. Yeah. Yeah. What kind of friend date is that? That's, you're not friends. <laughs> <laughs> and there was a moment That's, where, what? Like, huh? Sorry, what'd you say? I was just saying, that's a very long date. Yeah, oh, yeah, just <laughs> very long, and there was just a moment where I'm like laying on the floor, and I came out to her. I was like, "I'm by." Um, I didn't know if you knew that, and I was like, "So good for you! Like, I'm an ally. I'm super, super duper, one hundred percent straight. But like, you got it, Chief. I'll support you." <laughs> and then I was like, "It's okay. Right. You're not. You're not my type." <laughs> Which, mind you, I'm absolutely her type. Like, 100%. Not even just saying that. If she described it to you... Mary Jane. I'm her type. Yeah, <laughs> yeah Mary Jane. Yeah, that's so funny. That's just funny. No, that's just funny. Like, they're not, you're not my type, but actually you are. But it's okay. Yeah. yeah what a liar. I mean, I've had so many girl crushes before that I'm like, I'm going to say this in existence so it, it just becomes real. Like, you're not going to be my crush 
you right i will not have a crush on you so that's what i put it out there girl even though i've been no one's crush up until this moment i'll still say it i was like how in the world could you not think i'm adorable <laughs> no one else has but you <laughs> i'll be adorable for you yeah so we had this competition basically in our heads so like i'm gonna make you i'm gonna make you gay i'm gonna make you fall in love with me yeah so we're flirting a lot <laughs> a lot <laughs> and then, um i i eventually moved out to utah in the beginning of april and so i told her i said well we need to hang out one more time before i move and so we came up with this stupid plan where she drove four hours to come see me and then we stayed a few few days at my house and then we both drove up side by side to her house and then stayed a few days and it i felt like a kid again like for the first time in a long time we were playing outside and i got grass stains on my jeans and i just didn't care i was like oh i feel like myself amazing and i was begging my mom to let me stay another day like i'm nine years old I'm like the the traffic is so bad mom i have to stay another day and she's like fine yes like a person <laughs> um and then i flew out to utah and i was staying there until she flew out to see her cousin get married mm -hmm. yeah mega flirting at that point yeah um <laughs> yeah and that's when we met up again because I was in Utah and she picked me up. We went to the canyon and uh, she came out to me. It took her like 20 minutes for her to say this, but if she's like, you can sing it. I sang it to her because that's like my coping mechanism. And I said, oh, we got to hear the song. <laughs> I, I want to make out with you so bad. <laughs> Okay. <laughs> so bad. That's how I did it. <laughs> like <that. laughs> and she got super close. She was like, same. And I said, no. Kiss like, <laughs> me. Because um, that's a bad thing for me to do is kiss another girl. Yeah, so we didn't kiss in the canyon. We didn't, which is like so sad. But I did end up kissing her. Yeah. Yeah. In the car. In the car. Oh, yeah. I remember yeah. that video. I remember this too. Yeah. yeah. And so I flew home and she was like, hey, let's let's break it off. We, we can't do this anymore. Because we would FaceTime every night. Like 8 o'clock hit and I was away from whatever I was doing because I was hiding away in my room to go FaceTime her for hours. I'm already in love with her. So I'm like... <laughs> <laughs> I wanna, I wanna do this kind of thing. But then she friends on me. But then she invited me to Hawaii, so we yeah. went to Hawaii and made out there. And I was like, "Where is this? I don't know. What do you want? You want, do you want me or do you not want me?" Kind of thing. I was real scared of taking pictures because I was like, "What if this ends up really bad and I end up like hating this girl?" And then all the pictures that I have from Hawaii are of me and her, and then I hate this trip. But we went surfing and skydiving, and honestly, nothing makes you fall in love with a person more than jumping out of a plane with them. Right. Yeah. Right. Really like, that's that. a super fun, normal thing. Super <laughs> normal. This is normal. <laughs> um, and then when she left, because her flight was a few hours earlier than mine, I was in tears watching her board the plane. I was so sad. And I'm not someone who, like, handles 
goodbyes poorly, like, I'll, I'll say goodbye to you because I know I'm going to see you again. But even though I knew I was going to see her again, every goodbye hurt so bad. Because mm-hmm. um, I just was waiting and counting down any days to see her again. Um, so that was in June. And my birthday's at the end of June. So I had this big old 21st birthday bash. And I invited her, even though she lived across the country. And she still flew out. I'm in love with her idea. I'm going to fly out. <laughs> of course you're going to go. <laughs> I'm a simp, bro. Yeah, so I flew out, and it was really fun. We were both, I just remember this one time, we were both crying because we were like, we're basically in a relationship, but we don't know how we're supposed to go about this because it's a religion and being mm. gay. Yeah. yeah, we were just scared to open a can of worms that we just didn't know how to deal with. Mm. Yeah. Um, and she was so patient because I didn't really know like labels. Having a girlfriend was really scary to me because I knew if I did, I'd have to come out to my family and and yeah. deal with that. And so she was just kind of my little secret, my little sweet, sweet bubble um, that I loved having. Um, and she was just so patient. You can have as much time as you need. Like I'll be here. And then she invited me to her family reunion. Uh, in August and I stayed a few days at my parents beforehand and I, I made her a skateboard from hand because she loves to longboard. What friend spends like that over a hundred dollars on a birthday gift <laughs> hand painting a skateboard for her and yeah, then flying it across the country? Very few. That's not a friend thing. That's a oh, sapphic yeah. thing. You should know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And I remember praying because I was like, God, like, please uproot this woman out of my life because she's driving me up a wall because I love her so much. Um, and I remember him being like, she's yours to love. So love her and take care of her and let her take care of you. And I was so surprised because this whole time I'd been thinking, I'm either going to pray. I was very scared to pray to him at this time. I'm either going to pray and ask him about her, and he's either going to say, no, don't date her, and then I'll end up dating her, and then I'll feel awful because I'm, like, denying him. Or he's going to say no, and then I don't date her, and then I feel awful for, like, uprooting her because she means so much to me. And it was very confusing because I thought, why would God want me to prove to him that I love him? by taking away someone who means so much. He already knows how I feel about him. So this isn't a test for me and it's not a test for him. So I just gotta go. And so when we were we were sitting on the beach on one of those lifeguard towers and I was crying cause I do that a lot, I guess, about my future and how I feel like I'm this hot mess. And she just said, Sabrina, I love you and I will be like, I'll follow you wherever you go if you mm-hmm. let me and I'll love you. And I was like, oh my gosh, like I've been praying for someone to sweep me off my feet and no man has ever done that, but you did. And mm-hmm. I, I love that. <laughs> yeah. You both, you both won the little competition you had going. We did. Know, we did. We got it. <laughs> Everyone amazing. wins in the end because love wins. Yeah, and now we are engaged. Yeah, so the last question. So how did you propose to each other? Oh, gosh. Those stories? Oh, gosh. Oh, this is such a mess. 
because like I had a plan, but because of the U- because of Utah snow, it was just like snowed out everywhere. So I was supposed to propose at Little Conlon Canyon, the canyon that I was supposed to kiss Sabrina, but mm-hmm. never did, and didn't end up going because it was there was like avalanches and all that kind of stuff. So yeah. um, I told my friends, "Hey, can you guys be at this place in Logan Canyon?" and that was also snowed out so while we were driving past it i was like freaking out i'm like oh my gosh where are my friends and so they ended up like improvising they found a really cute like frozen waterfall place and they set it all up i couldn't see it because there's a huge boulder in front of it so i just plopped down on one knee in the, in the so middle excited of yeah in the middle of the snow and just proposed to her there I think I just blacked out at that point because I was just so <laughs> so nervous. I was like, where is everything? You know, kind of thing. But yeah, plan plan D. <laughs> yeah. I had something uh, similar where... Did you sing to her? Did you sing your proposal? <laughs> <laughs> I should have, though. Um, I was planning to propose to her at the beach. And... I was like, she always says, she says, no one can ever surprise me. And so that was the only goal that I have had was to surprise her. And so I had months before chatted with all of her cousins because she's really close to them and said, okay, you guys are going to instigate this beach trip that we have to take you on. So she doesn't think it's mine at all. And they all dipped at like the last minute. And so um i was like well let's just go to the beach <laughs> anyways <laughs> and when we got there it was Storm. borderline storming um it was supposed oh. to be 90 degrees and sunny but instead it was like 60 degrees and cloudy and if anyone knows what kind of weather that is and humidity it's awful cold. <laughs> right. so yeah. we're like we're buying sweaters because it's so cold and the the beach is gross looking because it was storming and the waves are huge <laughs> and uh, her brother was there because he was supposed to like film for us and i'm like looking at him because we're just fooling around you know chasing the waves and stuff and i'm like Cannon, i don't know how to make this a good moment like we should just leave we'll just <laughs> we'll do this another day and he's like no like let's let's do it and so she was playing in the waves and then I just dropped to my knee and I think I blacked out too. Like I just held it open. I didn't even say anything. And then she ran away and then came back. Um, and then I asked her, I was like, cause it was three years since we had met. And I was like, you changed my life three years ago. So be mine for eternity, something like that. Mm-hmm. And yeah, she said, yes. So. Love that. Carmina, were you surprised? I was very surprised. I was like, yeah, she better be. I was like, what the? <laughs> it's like storming right now. <laughs> I don't know. It was perfect. I got pooped on by a bird, too. Yeah. At one point. We looked that up. That means prosperity. So. Hey. You know, the birds approved. Gosh. <laughs> the seagulls what a day. at the beach are not homophobic, in case you're wondering. <laughs> <laughs> Love that. That's awesome. Man, thank y'all so much for sharing your story. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, it's like the best, course. the best story ever, and a perfect way to to start off our first uh, podcast episode. 
of Pride Month. So really appreciate that. Sure. And yeah, like birthday's coming up at the end of June. So happy early birthday. Thank yeah. you. You're the first to yeah. wish it. Yeah. And, um, <laughs> with that, we're gonna we're gonna jump into our recommendations. Rachel, you wanna go first or me? Um, you can go first. I don't know if I'm prepared, so okay, but I got a recommendation already. So my recommendation, if you have not seen uh, Spider-Man Across the Spider-Verse in theaters now, you definitely need to go and check that out. Um, in my opinion, it is easily one of the best Spider-Man movies that I have ever seen. I loved it. I enjoyed watching it so much that I went back and saw it again a couple of days later. Um, and so yeah, I've enjoyed it. Uh, definitely check that out. And then also check out The Little Mermaid if you have not watched that yet. Love True. that movie as well. Um, Halle Bailey killed it. She sang her part so well, gave me chills, little tears that had to suck back up into my eyes. And, <laughs> yeah, I really, really enjoyed it. So yeah, those are my two recommendations for this week. Be sure to go watch uh, Little Mermaid and Spider-Man in theaters. Don't wait for it to come out and watch on your tiny TV. Go get the full experience at the theater. Okay, my recommendation for the week. Oh, I just had it. Oh, my recommendation is um to go get a massage. This is so random, but I'm a huge advocate for massages. Um they've changed my life personally, just like physically. I feel like I'm always an achy person. Ever since my mission, I feel like my body aged a ton doing that, like being out biking and walking so much. Anyway, massages help me a lot just to decompress mentally, but also physically. They're great. It takes a while to find a good masseuse, but once you find it, um, it's pretty good. And for an hour massage, it's not terrible. It's part of my self-care. So that's what I recommend. Love. Love this. Love this. All right. Carmina and Sabrina, what would y'all recommend? Honestly, just going for a walk, even if it's just like five minutes. It's a... Again, it's a decompressing thing. You can listen to music or not even listen to music. Just it's like a self-care kind of thing. So that's good. And, it, and it's healthy. It is healthy. Um, mine, my passion for goldfish flavor bath blasted uh, extra cheese flavor has oh been reunited goodness. to a degree that I have never before seen in, my, in myself. But they're so good. So whether you like those if you forgot about them this is your sign to go buy some um but if you don't like goldfish find another nostalgic snack that you used to love as a child and hey you might be disappointed but you won't be disappointed by the memories that come back and the nostalgia because yes that lives <laughs> yeah i love that i love that flavor blasted goldfish are delicious I had to stop okay. eating them. It was bad. I used to go through like one of the giant like cartons of, of them. It would take me yeah. like three days to eat the whole thing. It was not good. <laughs> but, but it's good amazing. for you. <laughs> yeah, it's it's healthy. Something like that. Cool. Well, thank you so much for being on the podcast. Your story was amazing and we're honored that that you were willing to share it with us. So Yes. We really appreciate y'all for doing that. Of course. Thank you yes. for having Thank us. Yes, and listeners, this was a you know one of the first that they've ever shared on a podcast. So we are very lucky here over um on the Black Men's podcast. So thank you again. Absolutely. Yeah, you heard it here first, folks. <laughs> yeah. Yeah.
But um, yeah, you know, be sure to go check out um, the TikTok. It's on your page, right, Carmina? The video yes. of the Kel story. Yeah, so mm -hmm. if you haven't, go check it out. I don't know if y'all want followers, but if you do, then you know, go follow yes. Carmina. Yes, hashtag Enon. On TikTok. And uh, you should definitely post your, your registry and stuff like that. Yes. And have all of your adoring fans and gifts. <laughs> yeah, we will. No, I'll post your TikTok, uh, like TikTok in the description of the video. So people haven't seen it, they'll be able to go to it and I'll take you to their profile. Yeah. So that, make awesome. a link tree. too good. <laughs> and, uh, we won't crash your wedding, but we, we do expect to get an invite in the mail. So be sure yeah. to send that. Come through. <laughs> Don't worry. Love it. It's gonna be a party. It is. Yeah. <laughs> Perfect. Love that. All right, well, hey, that's it for this week. Thank y'all so much for listening, and we'll catch you next week. Thank you for joining us on the Black Menace podcast today. Make sure to follow us on TikTok, Instagram, and Twitter at the Black Menaces, and make sure to subscribe to our Patreon, the Menace Society, where you can get bonus content from us on the podcast, as well as extra clips from our videos that we film. And don't forget to email us at blackmenacepodcast at gmail.com for menace moments or any other questions that you want us to answer because this show is for you guys thank you and remember always be a menace thank you